0: it live. Okay. We'll, no. we'll do it live. <laughs> it! do it live. I can. I'll write it and we'll do it live. earbuds and earworms
1: i'm amy seven dollar cover charge shepherd and this nice. is
2: thanks. i'm mitchell manley taped in front of a live studio audience <gasps> Yay! and full of pizza
1: oh you're full of pizza i
2: am full of pizza i tried uh, the new pizza place over at crosstown concourse it's neapolitan? called elemento yeah it's it's neapolitan pizza
1: what is that but it,
2: the place is called elemento
1: what is neapolitan pizza
2: uh basically italian style like true italian style with like Really delicious crust, like very basic.
1: Deliciousness. It's, yeah,
2: it's, it's amazing.
1: I don't know. We got some pretty good pizza we cook up around here.
2: Yeah, Little Italy across the street from here is probably my favorite place in Memphis, but this new place is worth checking out.
1: Huh, Little Italy?
2: Yeah, have, have you not been to Little Italy? I've
1: been to the one over in East Memphis. No, that's Little Venice, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Okay, totally different. Never mind. Don't yeah, know Little about Italy, it. Yeah, Little
2: Italy right over there on, on uh, a, a couple roads over.
1: I need to Google map this. (laughs) I don't know where it is. Um, Yeah, I don't know. I'm so confused now. That's Um, (laughs) This week's episode is about live shows, which I think I got a nudge from Bobby Pape from Little Red Bandwagon. He's like, Uh hey, have y'all guys thought about doing, um, I don't know, live shows?
2: Yeah, it's like we've done... Bands that we've seen live, but mm-hmm. we had the studio recordings of those bands for the most part.
1: Right. And I've always had like a kind of love-hate relationship for some like, you know, I'm a big fan of pop music and mm-hmm. what do people do at pop music?
2: They typically lip sync.
1: And scream. Oh yeah, the fans The fans scream just and scream and it's throughout awful, every single... Awful whole song so i've like i've never been a big fan of those live albums because it's just like a wall of screaming going on and i'm not for that so this was actually pretty much of a challenge for me but i can explain how i came to mind after you tell us about yours
2: all right so i'm gonna start us off with devin townsend project and the song is called deadhead This one is from the live DVD they did at Royal Albert Hall in London. I recently rediscovered Devin Townsend a couple of months ago and this is one of my, been one of my favorite performances to continue to revisit. I remember listening to his old band called Strapping Young Lad back in high school. Did you did you ever get forced to listen to Strapping Young
1: Lad? I'm sure I was.
2: Yeah. Um, and you know me and all my friends in high school we loved to goof on their, on Devin Townsend cuz at that point in time he had the he's like balding up top but he's got dreads. He had these long dreads around the side, so there's uh, just like this weird skullet sort of thing with dreads. Uh. He, he looked really gnarly. <laughs> and, I mean, their music was awesome, but he was just such a funny-looking dude kind of, so we, we would always make fun of him. But the, they were like a really grimy metal band, and I kind of ignored his solo music for a long time, kind of expecting it to be more of the same. But then I came across a couple of live performances of the Devin Townsend Project, which is actually much more progressive and eclectic than Strapping Young Lad started taking a deep dive. So, like, Devin Townsend has, like, a really, really powerful singing voice. It's often very operatic and soaring, but he also has an incredible scream as well. And it's not just, like, reckless yelling. It's very controlled and precise distortion of his actual singing voice, which is actually very difficult to do, but it allows him to actually hit musical notes when he screams, <laughs> which is, is pretty amazing. Uh, And, yeah, it just makes his vocals a lot more powerful and integral to the songs. And then his production style is like usually really dense, like this wall of sound, like tons of stuff going on in pretty much every register of the sonic spectrum, lots of pads and scents and undergrowth, just really filling up every possible layer of, but like making it work, you know? Yeah. And just, and so I chose this performance because it kind of shows all that off. It's like got the very powerful melodic vocals and the searing screams and like the very careful musical arrangements. And proves that that like characteristic wall of sound is more than just studio magic. He like really builds the sonic space in a very methodical way and pulls it off just as effectively live. So,
1: so is all of the building is that typical for one of their songs, or is that something that happens only in like a live show?
2: Yeah, I mean uh, they definitely have that on all of their records too, like that really thick wall of sound, and yeah. then. Uh, yeah, they they pull it off live very well. Sounds very similar to the record, but with just a little bit of extra soul because they're doing it live and you see these human beings performing this music in front of you, you know.
1: <laughs> yeah, and I, I really appreciate because, you know, I typically start from the beginning of the show sheet and move down and I don't really know what to expect sometimes. And so I... I as I said, I have like this love hate relationship with live recordings, and then I listened to this, and I was like, "Wait, this isn't going to be so bad. It's not going to be mushy yeah. sounding. It won't be like that in concert I went to where right <laughs> everybody was just screaming the whole time. Um, it it's just not a mu- It's not a mushy recording. It's like very well mixed. I think that." Part of the beauty of these recordings are, like, how it's mixed and how it's, like, actually recorded. Like, Mm -hmm. a lot of thought goes into the fact that this is going to be a live or... It's going to be heard as a live piece. And I thought it was amazing. Um, He does at one point say pick a tempo. Yeah, (laughs) during that
2: part, like the audience is clapping along during this like breakdown and half of the audience is clapping (laughs) on ones and threes and the other half of the audience is clapping on twos and fours. Yeah, I really. And it's a little bit slower than what the band is actually playing. So he just like makes a joke like pick a tempo and then they just (laughs) drop right into the next riff. It's really good.
1: Yeah, and I was just like, I feel like that should be a motto of for mine. you. Just, just pick a tempo. Just pick Amy. a tempo, Amy. Just find just a
2: tempo and stick with it.
1: Figure it out. So <laughs> I was like, I that was absolutely hilarious to me, and um, I really appreciate like the playing with the audience part of yeah. this recording because seriously, I cannot pick a tempo. I'm awful at it. <laughs> now, speaking of maybe loose tempos. Wow. Uh. I chose Tom White's Eggs and Sausage.
0: Lingers burning in my memory I've been 86 from your scheme Now I'm in a melodramatic nocturnal scene Now I'm a refugee from a disconcerted affair Now the lit pipe morning fall. Now the waitress calls Exorcises Now a side of toast ah, Coffee and a roll Hash browns away oh, either. chili in a bowl With pearls I join a crowd, to kill.
1: last week was my birthday oh well,
2: happy birthday thanks
1: and dakota finally got me a replacement for my old record player just nice yes and so it's a really nice audio technica yeah. turntable and we had to figure out the whole speaker system because uh-huh. you know you kind of have to have a speaker for just the turntable part right and my previous one had a built-in speaker system and then the one before that I'd hooked into that old five disc changer that everybody had yep so I had to figure out the whole speaker situation yep. still not a deal but we're gonna figure it out because a Bose one speaker is better than no speaker and I'll take it um I did learn something this week I've had this album for a long ass time and I thought maybe the clapping and stuff in the background was added in and post just the
2: artistic <laughs> choice
1: yes it's actually one of two live albums uh this is Nighthawks at the Diner and I was gifted a first pressing of it at one point in my life and so that's amazing I was like hey the first song I want to listen to on my turntable is this and then I was like wait this is a live album sweet and the the venue that is stated at the very beginning it's like somebody's like whatever uh it's not a real place it's actually done in a recording studio but they brought an audience in so it's still technically fits that's cool that's a very
2: Tom Waits <laughs> thing to do yes
1: um the whole album is very much about like building atmospheres and telling stories but this one I love it it starts with the food and then like adds these details and he'll just throw in these things that really like these phrases that will build in a whole concept and doesn't have to explain he's like He says the classifieds aren't doing. So you know that he's got his, like, you, you can see the person with the classifieds. And that's all he mentions about yeah, the newspaper. He's got, like, a
2: cigarette and yeah. coffee, and, and he's reading the newspaper.
1: Uh-huh. And so Dakota had never heard this while I'm playing this. And he was like, this album makes me want to smoke and hang out in a diner. Yeah,
2: definitely so. Like, <laughs> Tom Waits' voice sounds like he's just, like, been swallowing all the cigarettes that he smokes. And he's and just, like, gargling whiskey. Yeah. Just like singing through all the all the gravel yeah. in his throat but so good. Uh, yeah i've I've long been a fan of Tom Waits, and uh it seems like his live show is quite the spectacle uh He himself is a character on his own like before he even sings a note. And his voice and his style, like, add a further smoky ambiance to his, like, kooky, wizened, streetwise persona. Mm -hmm. And then tack on that he's actually an incredible pianist and poet. And it's tough not to love what he's all about, you know. I know a handful of people (gasps) seem to hate Tom Waits. Who
1: are these people? Are they our friends?
2: I mean, I do have some people that I would consider friends who don't really like Tom Waits. And, like, I'm going to go out on a limb and say that those people probably hate him. Because they see him as fake or disingenuous, because his music and his character are definitely very kitschy, but and like I can see that he totally leans into it and really exaggerates the quirky stuff for effect, but I think his songs and his act come from a very authentic place and like they perfectly capture a very particular aesthetic in a way that nobody else really does. Like that S- smoking cigarettes mm-hmm. in a in a in a diner at like 2 a.m and yeah you know the very the,
1: real peopley type of thing yeah
2: I like that and, and he he gets that that vibe in a way that I don't think anyone else really captures in that same way
1: yeah and you know I don't know a lot about any musicians or anything but I do know Tom Waits makes his own weird musical instruments yeah and he stuff. does a bunch of that and him and his wife have been married for like decades mm-hmm. and decades, and she seems just as quirky, so I don't know if it's like disingenuous. I know he does lean into the quirkiness, but I think that both of them are super quirk.
2: Yeah, for sure.
1: Especially for being in the mid-70s, how he pulled off being like oddly not the same type of quirk as people right. were. I always appreciate yeah, that. Just so,
2: he's just so smart and unique that I think people must feel like he's trying to get one over on him, and it's just like, I think he's, he's just exaggerating this Sort of time period and that, like I said, that very smoky aesthetic. and He's yeah. just like really taking it to the. It's
1: very noir. Yeah, I love it. Ah, it's so good. We had so many selections. We Had some good ones. Yeah, they really, and we had whole shows submitted too. That's like, true. Whole, yeah, I was like that. That got really hard to like decide between two.
0: I know sure.
2: someone posted a a full nine inch nails live mm-hmm. recording, and I wanted to comment on that because. Uh, I used to not really like Nine Inch Nails that much, Me and then either. I got their their live album called "And All That Could Have Been," mm-hmm. and I got that album uh, in which it's like a lot of live instrumentation as opposed to just the stuff going on, you know, in the studio. And so whenever he has like live musicians playing his music, Nine Inch Nails fucking rules. <laughs> uh, I, I, I miss them. They came to Memphis recently too and played the yeah. Orpheum of I, all places. Like I
1: was watching all of the Snapchats happening. Oh, really? But you know, those aren't the best recordings. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Um, to start us off, we have Jason V bringing Portishead 's live version of Mysterons. I do not condone her smoking while singing, but it is still super, super chill music, and like, the mixing is super lovely, and I know that they're generally a very produced sound to the record, Mm -hmm. so it's really cool to hear it done live, and uh, nice to know that it can be recreated in a live setting. Also, the crowd, super respectful, not screaming like crazy banshees the whole time. I really liked it.
2: Right, yeah, they're they're a very chill-sounding band, and so having a... Having a, an audience that isn't screaming and chattering over the top of them is definitely helpful. Uh, yeah, this is definitely one of my favorite live albums of all time from a band that most people seem to have forgotten about entirely. Uh, Portishead is known for being super chill, trip-hop. and they, uh, they use live instrumentation, but their records have a lot of produc- like extra production as well. But this performance is from their Roseland New York City live record, and they fill up a lot of that extra space with like strings and horns, and it's just perfection uh their singer beth gibbons has a very soulful voice like very sultry and i'm sure that the cigarette smoke kind of adds a little bit Look, to that
1: it freaked me out her like hand with her cigarette was draped yeah. over the mic it was freaking me out
2: and like her voice is very subdued and restrained which adds like that element of mystery and tension to like otherwise kind of chilled out songs uh and their drummer on this performance a guy named clive deamer he's playing these like deceptively intricate hip hop style beats and like a lot of bands would just do that as pre-programmed electronic drums, but he's doing it live. And then, despite the gorgeous voice, uh, you know, Beth Gibbons' voice, the drums really drive the the feel of their music on this whole record.
1: It's really just good. Portishead's amazing. Like, yeah, I agree. I gotta agree. Like, if huh, it's good, like everybody should listen. To
2: driving it. home in the rain, kind of.
1: Yeah, just, or if you're just well, it's. It's a record I need for my record player so I can sit with my wine and just yeah, rock in my exactly. chair and like, listen. It's
2: got a little bit of darkness to it, but mm-hmm. it's just like super. You gotta get kind of moody, but right. chill.
1: I really like it. Christy W brings Alanis Morissette's You Learn.
0: Recommend She <laughs>
1: she's so canadian she's always amazing her live performances are just very genuine she does i mean she's not a lip-syncer type of person and this was from a series the Unplug series from mtv which i don't know if that series is still going but it really should because it really did like you would have these huge bands and then you gotta go prove that you can play live now, mm-hmm. and front in this very small venue it seemed like, and I always appreciate that. And Alana pulls it off because she's charming AF. Yeah, very
0: and very the, charming. So
1: at the very beginning, she's got like her little like sly smile, and she's like, and this is a song called "You Learn," and it's so sweet. I love it. I just that's why she's God. <laughs>
2: So yeah, uh, uh, Alanis has got to be one of my earliest foundations of my love for female vocals. I remember being like second or third grade and my older brother had Jagged Little Pill on CD oh. and I was just like constantly steal it and listen to the whole record on repeat. Just like insanely great songwriting, a unique and powerful voice and like that sense of snark and sarcasm in the lyrics. So yeah, the studio version of the song is one of my favorites, but the unplugged version like perfectly highlights all the elements that make it a well-written song. It's got those airy chords in the pre-chorus, like the little snarky asides in the verses, and then her vocal range is like flying off in the chorus. She like really shows off her chops without doing the annoying like Christina Aguilera <laughs> thing. Where or you're just, Mariah like, Carey. Yeah, Mariah Carey even did that a little bit tastefully. Yeah. Whereas Christina Aguilera just, you know, she just She's goes like, all hey, over the place. She's
1: like, here's an opportunity. <laughs>
2: yeah, but in in this, it's all very tasteful and soulful. And yeah, I know the, the Unplugged series, I, I know they brought it back for a little while. It was like Unplugged 2.0. Yeah. And there was a few cool acts, but not nearly the caliber of acts that were like in the early 90s and mid 90s when all this stuff was coming out. I know somebody posted the Nirvana Unplugged. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to remember some of the other ones. I know... Allison Chains did a really great unplugged.
1: Sinead O'Connor did, right?
2: I think she may have done one.
1: Yeah.
2: Um, I remember Jay-Z did it. Oh an, yeah. He, he did Unplugged with the Roots as his backing band. Yeah,
1: I remember that.
2: That was incredible. Um, and this might surprise some folks, but Dashboard Confessional, <laughs> they did a unplugged record that's probably one of my favorite records of all yeah, time. It's so, so good. The drumming on there, this guy named uh mike marsh or yeah mike marsh or matt marsh i think it's mike marsh
1: was he a constant in that band though because i know that they constantly were yeah once someplace.
2: once they um once they decided to have like a full band
1: and not just the one guy yeah the he constant. he stuck
2: around for a while because i think he was in another one of chris caraba's bands
1: yeah um oh dashboard i remember when they stopped being emo
2: yeah <laughs> i remember he started playing an electric guitar i kind of fell off there but oh man that that Unplugged record, <laughs> Dashboard so Confessional good. Unplugged, brilliant,
1: brilliant Ugh, stuff. How he pulls off the vocal stuff, I don't know. Brian V. brings Magnola Electric Company's Almost Was Good Enough.
0: Then a tall shadow dress, the way that secret's always dress. And they want everyone to know that they're around. Comes leaning in, comes whispering. My friend over there, no.
1: heard of this band before, not at all. And this one it does have like some really good noodling. And I don't generally <laughs> say noodling is good. Yeah. There's some contemplation going on. And even though it's like a super hopeless song, yeah. It has a pushing energy, right. which I don't know how they pulled it up because it's it's fucking hopeless.
2: Yeah, it's 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 pretty bleak. And this this uh the main songwriter for this band was a guy named Jason Molina, who unfortunately passed away due to some health issues brought on by alcohol abuse. So mm-hmm. this dude definitely had uh, some dark times inside of him. Uh, he was an amazing lyricist and performer. It's a real shame we lost him. Uh, this whole live album it's called Trials and Errors has like a really huge Neil Young and Crazy Horse vibe. Which I say not to imply that he's like ripping off Neil Young, but more so to point out that he he kind of wore his heart on and his influences on his sleeve, and there's just like something so basic and moving about that Neil Young style gritty plucky telecaster guitar sound It's like captures the energy and the melancholy equally well, kind of like what you were saying it yeah. like somehow captures that hopelessness but still seems to drive the song in a meaningful way uh genre wise i'd probably put him somewhere between like alt country and indie folk kind of in the vein of like neil young or ryan adams or nico case um he was also very very prolific he put out an absurd number of records under a few different names this one is magnolia electric company they had like five or six records uh put out like three records under his own name jason molina and then most of his early stuff came out under the name songs Ohio. (laughs) And they had like seven or eight records, too. Lots to be explored. So hopefully the, the ear buddies who don't know about uh, Jason Molina, hopefully they'll dig a little deeper. I didn't know I can fill that. you up with his records. It, it's <laughs> all just some heart, heart-wrenching songs. But, I mean, just as that's, that's life. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, sometimes you have to turn that on and drink some whiskey and... <laughs> think about life but not too much whiskey yeah not not enough to send yourself into organ failure
1: yeah was it pancreatitis
2: it was like various organs were all shutting down on them like yeah. it had gotten bad which totally sucks yeah
1: that stinks now on a brighter note yeah
2: much brighter note
1: <laughs> we have britney p who brought earth wind and fires devotion has her own podcast and she loves our earth wind and fire and Man, she'll bring talk you go- your friends <laughs> and yeah so it's uh, i doubt it with dollamore is the podcast but she talks about earth wind and fire and the first time she listened to it she just starts like crying yeah and she's gone to their shows now recently they lost a member yeah maurice white but if there's anybody who is going to celebrate i think it's like What day in September? Like the 23rd? Yeah, something like that. I can't remember
2: off the top of my head now. Brittany P.
1: is all about September 23rd. I believe that's September. She loves, loves, loves this band. And there's just this explosion of cheers. And there's so much joy from the crowd. And there's so much interaction. Like the clapping to the beat really shows that one of their shows is like this huge communal event. And there's so much like virtuosic singing yeah, going seriously. on. And they truly are interacting with the fans. It's like, hey guys, you wanna like clap to the speed Just keep on clapping. And then there's like, what? Let's get some lady voices in here. And I just thought it was really good and kind of shows like the great side of a live show.
2: Yeah, they're they're all just like virtuosic musicians. Uh to a lot of folks, Earth, Wind and Fire might be a little cliche, but any musician with a refined ear for like crafting that upper echelon music they, you know, they can probably rail for an hour on what makes Earth, Wind, and Fire so incredible. Uh, they're really unique among their peers. Like they run the gamut from upbeat disco jams like September, mm-hmm. Shining Star, Boogie Wonderland. They've got like groovy funk and soul, kind of like In the Stone or Getaway. <laughs> then they've got the like slower R and B grooves, like After the Love Is Gone or this song, which is called Devotion. Uh, just like all over the place. And the rhythm section is always the tightest shit you've ever heard. <laughs> the bass and drums, not only like locking in super tight, but also lots of like rhythmic stops and catches and funky off-beats, and they just nail it with such precision. Uh, the best horn section in the game, in my opinion, like beating the pants off of Chicago's <laughs> horn section. Uh, I think on a, on a previous episode, I talked about the concept of diddits.
1: I think so. Yeah, you did. Yeah,
2: and the horn section in Earth, Wind, and Fire, like... Some of the best did like pretty much every one of their songs, it's an upbeat song, just has did You'll go and hear those, like where the horns are just like, did it, did it. Yeah, it's like at the end of every verse, you'll hear, dun dun dun, did it. <laughs> yeah, and you know, just like keeps the listener on their toes and grooving along. And then on top of all that, the insanely dense harmonies, like almost a gospel choir to themselves, lots of those falsetto high harmonies, just like open up a huge area of sonic space that a lot of music tends to leave un- untended. Uh, I unfortunately never got to see Earth, Wind, and Fire live, but I've heard that the stage shows a spectacle. And, uh yeah, their live recordings obviously pack the same wallop as their studio albums, which is impressive for a band with, like, so many moving parts, you know? Oh,
1: yeah. There's, I mean, a, a lot of moving parts Yeah, involved. I mean, there was, like,
2: 15 people in their full shows, you know, like Whoa. horn sections and people dancing and singing back up and then your actual core members of, of the band that are playing guitars and bass and drums and all. It's, it's insane.
1: And them sweet vocals. Oh,
2: those sweet vocals. And, like, Sorry. just nail it. There's never, like one guy who's like oh that guy didn't get it like no (laughs) that guy got it so perfect you don't even know
1: (laughs) well and then this brings us to Quincy's selection Final Fantasy which is a cover of Mariah Carey's Fantasy (laughs) And I thought Final Fantasy was just a video game series. Um, This has a really genuine vibe to it. Like, there's definitely a love of the song. Uh, There's a restart at the beginning where it's like, oh, I didn't quite get this right, so I'm going to try. This cover actually allows me to understand the lyrics because Mariah Carey is usually so high up on the scale that Mm -hmm. I'm just listening to her vocals and not necessarily what the lyrics are. Very breathy. Yeah, very. The crowd is in... Like is totally in on this like joy of the song, and it's just a fun cover. The knowledge that he can't hit that last note is taken in such jest, and he is just a sweet performer. Yeah. Like he just like puts his hand on his face and just like, well, no, I can't. Oh, do this that was part. that. Yeah, yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. I had to make sure that this little gem got on uh, at least a brief moment of our time. You know, number one, we need more submissions from Quincy because he has a very diverse and disparate palette of interests musically, and his submissions are usually home runs. Number two, I love Mariah Carey and go on a 20 minute digression right now about why you should also love Mariah Carey. But most importantly, what I love about this in relation to our theme is that the best part of a live show is like seeing and hearing something that you can't get on the record. Mm -hmm. And like, and breaking into a Mariah Carey cover mid concert, he like provides the audience with something unique and singular. You know, we can watch and listen to him do this little digression on YouTube, and it's cute, but like to be in the room when it happened, (laughs) participating in that joyful moment. Like, that surprise shift of energy into something like kind of tongue-in-cheek and off-kilter, that's what a live musical experience is all about, in my opinion. Like, building and manipulating the audience's energy in a way that they can't replicate from simply just throwing on the record.
1: Yeah, and what's cool is when you do go to a live show and they have something, like, totally unexpected, they'll do some cover like you've never Right, imagined. exactly. And I think, was the new one? Uh, weezers doing the toto yeah they're
2: doing africa
1: yeah they're doing africa and i think like i think that's always so cool when you go to a live show and granted i'm like totally a hermit and i don't go to many live shows totally did trying.
2: you uh did you see that toto is in turn covering a weezer song yes i believe they cover it's, hash pipe yeah which it's is actually like, pretty good it's, it's not bad
1: it's <laughs> so weird like you it don't very expect weird. that um i just yeah This is bringing me around to more of a love of live recordings as opposed to that hate I used to have because there's so many good live recordings. There's a lot
2: more now than there were before because it's a lot easier to isolate your audience out of the out of the mix and just bring them in just enough to give that live feel. You know,
1: I mean, unless you're Tom Waits and you only bring like a few people in in the studio. (laughs) Frank brings the final Ear Buddy selection from the band, and it's the night they drove old Dixie
0: down. Back with my wife in Tennessee, when one day she called to me, said, no. What you need, and you leave the rest. But should.
1: never really listened to the band but i was always amused that this band is called the band and i didn't know what era they're from or anything like that and it's coming to my periphery because there's some tribute show about to go down in memphis and i didn't really know anything about that so i don't mind actually getting familiar with some of their music um you know hey i get to do deep dives on like bands i'd never even heard of because of the show and i really appreciate that That's one of the best parts. yeah and this this band's from like the 70s so i really mm-hmm. should know about them i do have some mixed feelings about them talking about dixie mm-hmm. and yankees and i'm really curious about what their true intention is or if this is an old standard that i don't know about i could research but usually i don't <laughs>
2: Yeah, yeah. This th- I, I can totally understand, especially in current times, that it might kind of raise an eyebrow. But lyrically, the song is just about, like, the effect that the Civil War had on, like, poor, lower, cra- lower class white folks in the South. Mm-hmm. Like, I- obviously, uh, you know, they didn't have quite the struggle that some other folks did. Yeah. But, you know, it- it's it's that this whole song basically just talks about how the Civil War ravaged the South and, like... You know, how, how it fucked up people's farmland and pretty much all the livelihood that these people have been working for, mm-hmm. you know, they Well, they it's like the land, it.
1: the land got salted, too, in some ways, or brought right. to the ground. But also, let's just face it, y'all, get rid of your Confederate
0: flags, please. Yeah,
2: I, I'd have to agree with that.
1: Yeah.
2: Um, and yeah, I, I do want to be transparent that Frank actually posted a different live version of the song <laughs> from the band's live album uh, with Bob Dylan called Before the Flood. Um that'll be some music trivia for you Amy. Uh the band before they went solo as The Band oh. used to be Bob Dylan's backing band.
1: So they were The Band to have.
2: Right. Yeah. I mean like they that's pretty much what it was. Is Bob Dylan found these guys and were like, "All right, you guys are now my backing band because <laughs> you guys can play anything and do any kind of music." Wow. But yeah, so so yeah, uh Frank posted the the Before the Flood version of this which uh, It's great. It's equally amazing, but it's only available on YouTube Red, which apparently Frank's fancy ass has, but we don't. Nope. So this version is from The Last Waltz, which was like their last hurrah performance back in 1976. And they performed either on Thanksgiving or on Black Friday, I think. Uh, originally, I thought it was Black Friday, but I went back and looked. I think they actually did it on Thanksgiving. Ooh. Uh, they had guest appearances from like Neil Young, Joni Mitchell, Dr. John, Van Morrison um neil diamond was on there just like tons and tons of really great guest stars y'all
1: guys got so close to sweet caroline live yeah. version you know
2: and then uh it was all filmed into a live dvd and documentary by martin Scorsese. so was it a live dvd in
1: 1976 well it wasn't
2: a I guess you're right it wasn't a dvd at that time but it was Laserdisc.
1: yeah there you go
2: <laughs> it's it's hands down one of the greatest live band or live albums of all time the band were very profound songwriters Uh, Their songs used every trick in the book. You got the vocal harmonies, like really unique chord arrangements. They all trade off lead vocal duties for different songs. And although they do have a very characteristic sound, they defy any singular genre. There's like such an impressive band that, again, like the average person my age has completely forgotten about them. Mm -hmm. And so uh, as an aside, and (laughs) I'm not sure if Frank posted this song intentionally, but my band, Gloria (laughs) Sabor, is doing a tribute to the band. And paying homage to this album, The Last Waltz, at the high tone at the end of the month, as you mentioned.
1: That is November. Yeah. Wait, are you going to do it on Black Friday?
2: We're doing it on Saturday. But
1: wouldn't it be so cool if you did it on Thanksgiving?
2: Yeah, that would be pretty ballsy, I think. (laughs) But
1: nobody's going to show up. Yeah, nobody's
2: going to (laughs) come. The first year we did it, we did do it on Black Friday. This year we're going to be doing it on the Saturday following Thanksgiving, so Black Saturday, I suppose. (laughs) And yeah, we'll be bringing in guest musicians from Memphis and Mississippi to play and party with us. So if you live in the Memphis area and want to see a really great show, you should come to the High Tone on November 24th, which is the Saturday after Thanksgiving. See a really fun show. This is going to be the third and probably the last year that we do this. What? So you definitely don't want to miss it. It's so going to it's be a still lot of fun. The
1: last waltz of the last waltz. It is indeed. Aw, we'll probably
2: uh, we'll probably come up with another cool tribute to do. Uh, our, our guitar player Josh is super into Madonna. <gasps> And so we've talked about possibly doing a Madonna tribute, which that'd I think be, would be kind of ballin'.
1: Oh, that would be pretty awesome, especially with, like, Glorious Abhor.
2: Yeah. Or as
1: I call him, Abhor. Abhor. And <laughs> <Yes>. Glorious Abhor. <laughs> we did get an email. Oh, we did. Yes, we did. It was from David T., And he said, not sure if you've ever done an episode of Punk and New Wave, but I think it would be a great episode. And then he puts a picture in there. He's like, here's a picture of the birthplace of Punk in London, a clothing store called Sex that sold Punk clothing. Mm -hmm. It's now a clock shop. Artists like Billy Idol, Sex Pistols, uh, The Clash hung out here. There are many great bands and music. from." So I want... I I wonder, like, how many, like, various versions of, like, punk and new wave and stuff right. there is. Because we generally don't stick with, like, a genre mm-hmm. or anything specific. But sometimes we have. And I'm, I think, we, because, you know, I'm terrible at defining what punk is. I'm even more terrible at defining what new wave is. Sure, that's understandable. <laughs> so I figure this could be a pretty diverse theme. It could. I mean, I think it could. I don't know how Yeah, the, I'm trying to off. think
2: of a way that we could really narrow it down but in a way that kind of uh will jive everyone's mind as to what they could submit. Um you def- I definitely like the idea of the punk and new wave forebears, like trying to trying to find the the ones that were early on. So if we said it has to be from 1984 and back, or something maybe.
1: But you know, I'm going to end up bringing something weird because I've got I already right. got like one new wave, but it's like German new wave, so it doesn't sure. sound like any new wave. I think it's called new wave. Yeah, I don't
2: know. We'll we we'll have to run <laughs> this one through the uh, through the idea grinder and, yeah. and and try to come up with a cool way to to oh. kind of formulate it.
1: Yeah, or make me like actually do research, as everyone yeah. likes to do every single week. <laughs> So, if you want to get a hold of the show, you can always tweet us, tweet at us on Pod on the Twitter, and you are... At,
2: at Pow, I gotcha. And
1: I am at Madam Woolite. Of course, every single week, the show gets built on the Facebook group, which is Earbuds and Earworms Podcast Group, and... The voicemail line is
2: 731-400-BUDS or
1: 731-400-2837 and you can be like David and email the show andypod at gmail.com and you can always check out the website andypod.com part of the 10710 network.
2: Send us us some more uh, theme ideas. I love hearing theme ideas from our from our constituents.
1: Yeah, our constituents. We yeah. like to listen to our constituents. Yeah. It's a, it's a, the whole world is our constituency. It's true. We do what the constituency wants. Into it. <laughs> and the final song is.
2: Yeah. So just to plug our, our tribute to the band one more time, I decided to bring <laughs> Nora Jones covering this song by the band uh, called Bessie Smith. It comes off her Live in New Orleans DVD, which I still throw on a couple times a year. <laughs> Uh, those first couple Nora Jones records came out when I was in high school and I was just straight up obsessed with her like obviously on a hormonal (laughs) level like I thought she was absolutely gorgeous and she had that sultry voice that got my heart racing but it did go a lot deeper than that like her songwriting is incredibly soulful and real in a way that a casual a casual listener to her first couple singles may not have taken the time to notice and her band is all these like tremendous jazz and blues musicians that know just what to play and when to play it like they show off their chops in very subtle and tasteful ways that like serve the vibe and energy of the songs. And all of that's on display <laughs> in this cover. She's playing playing a Wurlitzer electric piano, which is like this very super chill, groovy sound, but it also has really heavy sounding low notes. And so that complemented with the upright bass. And then the drums, they kind of start out very pocket and unassuming. And then, you know, just have like a little bit of flourish and then by the end they're driving the whole song. So Uh, Everybody listen to Nora Jones Covering Bessie Smith
0: Well Bessie was more than just a friend of mine We shared the good times and the bad Well many years have since passed me by I still recall the best thing I ever had Going down the road to see Bessie Oh, see her soon Just going down the road to see Bessie Bessie. Smith And when I get there, I'm wondering what she'll do Dun, dun, dun. Did it. Thank you.